Tonight's Bible reading is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 to 8. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you on how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more, for you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honourable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life, Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. Well, good evening. It's good to be here tonight and... uh... Let me warn you, tonight's uh, message could be quite confronting, it could be quite humbling, it could be uh, life-changing for you as you deal with God's Word from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 to 8. Uh, it's called a life that is holy. We are going to be looking at the issues of sexual purity, how to live a life that is pure and right and honouring to God, and it's not filled with lust and, uh, and sinfulness. So I'm going to pray that God would speak to us through his word to change us and to encourage us in pursuing holiness. Let me pray. Lord God, we thank you for the truth of your word. And as Paul writes to the Thessalonians, it feels as if he is writing to us. Because the morality of our 21st century is just as bad as the morality of the first century. And so we pray that as they heard his voice, as your voice, that we would hear the instructions as coming from you and that you will give us the power and the strength to walk in holiness and not in sinfulness. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Friends, let me give you some examples. Uh, Sam, and by the way, when I use names, I always change the names of the people, the illustrations I use. So don't try and pick who it is and there's no one, none of these illustrations have to do with anyone in this building. Just letting you know. Okay, Sam was a man in his 30s, and he was addicted to pornography. His wife felt unloved and unwanted. You see, his mind was filled with lust and passion, but it was always focused on a screen. But never love, never self-sacrifice for anyone else. Naked flesh on a screen was more satisfying to this man than a real relationship with a real person. When his wife could stand it no longer, she walked out, feeling that she'd been cheated most of her life. Sarah was 15. She started drinking with a bunch of youth from her church. She was struggling at home and she used alcohol to mask her pain, to help her deal with her problems. Soon afterwards, she started sleeping with her boyfriend. She was 15. At the same time, she kept going to church and attending youth group on Friday nights. Now, the youth group wasn't very godly. In fact, a lot of the youth, she said, lived no differently to the non-Christians at their own school. Christians are called to live different, we're living no differently. At 17, when she broke up with her boyfriend, and he broke it up, she felt she would be with him forever. You see, they loved each other, that's why they slept together. When he broke up with her, she told me that she would turn up at parties, 
get drunk, hoping to have sex with her ex-boyfriend because of the connection she had made with him. Couldn't escape it. By the grace of God in her 20s, she gave her life to Christ and was changed by God. Michael was a young Christian man who started dating a non-Christian girl. At the beginning, he invited her to church and so on, but they spent a lot of time alone. And one of the dangers of spending too much time alone when you're dating someone is that uh, you get bored and you start touching each other's bodies, don't you? And before you know it, you're not just simply kissing or holding hands, and your hands seem to wander to other places. Before long, they were having sex together. He goes home filled with shame and guilt, yet he does it the next week and the next week and the next week again. Or John was in his 50s, unhappy with his marriage, so he started an affair with a mate's wife. He attended church, claimed to be a Christian, yet engaged in sexual immorality. In fact, not simply immorality, but adultery. Until he was confronted by a Christian friend. As I say, all hell broke loose then. Unholiness, immorality, adultery, even within those who call themselves Christians. But God calls us to a life that is holy. And let me say, whether we stand in the pulpit or sit in the pew, we're all tempted by the fleeting pleasures of sin, the Bible calls them. They come, they take hold of us, we enjoy them for a moment, then we realize that they don't satisfy. High-profile Christian leaders, if you follow the media at all, you'll notice Carl Lenz, the former senior pastor of the Hillsong Church in New York, the celebrity pastor, sacked for adultery. You know, sir, for those who follow Ravi Zacharias, leading apologist and defender of the faith. He died recently. Following his death, accusations come in of abuse and immorality, multiple cases. Now they're pretty much having to close down that ministry worldwide. And apologies left, right and centre because people didn't do anything about that. Bill Hybels, the former pastor of the Willow Creek Church, was stood down six months before he finished and retired because of accusations of sexual assault, manipulation, and so on. They're just to name a few recent ones. Whether you're in the pulpit or in the pew, the temptation is real. And sadly, many people have not only committed immorality, they've sexually abused people as well. They committed violence against others, and you'll know from the newspapers over the past week the stories of private school boys committing sexual abuse against girls at parties, drunk girls, discovering in the morning that things had taken place to them. But let me say it's not just private schools, it's public schools as well, where people take advantage of others because they grow up in a culture where the other person, often the women are seen as meat, something to be used and disposed of, something to be mocked, something to have photographs taken off them and shared on social media. Well, in 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul calls the Thessalonian church to sexual purity, to a life that is holy. And he moves from talking about his previous visit in terms of the context to the present and the future concerns of the church. You see, he says, As for the other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. It's great encouragement. We instructed you how to please God. You're living like that. Fantastic. Keep going. Now, we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more, For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. 
And one of the first things he addresses now, he, he'll address uh, death and the second coming of Jesus in chapter four, second half of chapter 4 and then chapter 5. He'll talk about the church relationship, the leaders and its members in chapter 5. But for now, he's going to address the issue of immorality. You see, because Christians have now, or these people have come to know Christ out of a pagan uh, Greek world, and the world in which they lived was very different. It's like someone becoming a Christian today out of a non-Christian Australian world where their friends get drunk, where their friends do drugs, where their friends sleep around. And, and that's common and it's normal as long as there's consent. You can do what you like, right? And so just like someone coming to Christ in our society, you are marked out as very different to the rest of the world. And in that community, uh, the people in Thessalonica often uh, involved in uh, worship of deities, which involved gross immorality and was promoted under the name of religion, John Stott writes. So even in their religion, there was immorality. F.F. Bruce writes about that Greco-Roman world. Listen to this. A man might have a mistress who could provide him also with intellectual companionship. The institution of slavery made it very easy for him to have a concubine, someone to sleep with, while casual gratification was readily available from a harlot or from a prostitute. The function of his wife was to manage his household to be the mother of his legitimate children and heirs. That's the culture of the day. People come to Christ, they're saved, they're forgiven, they're restored, they have a new relationship with God, and they start to obey God, and their lives have to look very, very different. And the first thing he says, there is a call to sexual purity. Verse 3, avoid sexual immorality, he says. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, right? Sanctified means set apart for God. It means made holy. It's distinctive from the rest of the world. Sanctified, set apart, made holy, that you should avoid sexual immorality. Now, to abstain from sexual immorality means not to be involved in any sexual relationships outside of the marriage relationship of a man and a woman. You see, the word that's translated sexual immorality, and you need to get this one and remember this, is the word pornia, where we get the word pornography from. Pornia, in the, in the first century Greek, referred to all forms of sexual behavior outside the sexual relationship of a marriage between a man and a woman. He says to the Christians, abstain from all of it. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, he says, flee sexual immorality. Run from it. It's everywhere. It's dangerous. It pursues you. It's like it's after you. And I had a friend of mine years ago who was 19, became a Christian, and he said, I was at work, and there was this woman who had a real interest in me. And uh, I said, what happened? He said, well, any chance she had, she tried to flirt with me and try to have a relationship with me, and I literally had to run from her. Right? You ever been in that situation? There are some people after you think, if I stay here, I'm going to do the wrong thing. I've got to go. I've got to run. And I say to a lot of you, sometimes you're in the wrong place, or you happen to be, uh, someone's about to put on a pornographic video or movie, wherever you happen to be, you need to run from that, right? Not just, go, oh, well, you know, just yeah, nice little gaze. No, run right? from immorality. Because temptation is everywhere, at school, at university, at TAFE, at work, at the gym, the golf club, at parties. And one of the other dangers with the temptation to immorality it's the abuse of alcohol. It is harder to resist temptation when you've had too much to drink. It's true, right? Alcohol abuse is a huge problem and it contributes to sexual immorality. You see, when you've had too much to drink, you're not in control of yourself any longer. Instead of being controlled by the Holy Spirit, 
you'll now be controlled by a different spirit. You, it eliminates your inhibitions. You get louder. You make dumb choices. You make inappropriate, suggestive comments. You flirt more. And you find it harder to resist inappropriate sexual advances. And then sometimes you go too far. And you wake up in the morning. And someone then captures it, captures it on, on their telephone and sends it to people everywhere before you, you know you're a star. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Friends, avoid sexual immorality. One of the ways in which you can do that is to make sure you stay sober. That you always know what you think and you make decisions based on the Word of God and the truth of God, not by another spirit. Years ago, I watched a, a young Christian man. It's a fantastic example. And uh, he was at a party. We were at the par- I was there at the party as well. And uh, there was this young girl who had way too much to drink. And she thought this young adult was a was a lovely young man, handsome, attractive. And so she was basically throwing herself at him. And people were watching this girl and, uh, and watched this Christian young adult and he cared for her, he looked after her, he sat her down, he calmed her down, he gave her something non-alcoholic to drink for a period. And it's interesting afterwards, people came to me and said, it's amazing how he treated her. Other people would have taken advantage of her but he loved her and he cared for her and he didn't take advantage of her. Friends, we need to be that type of people, don't we? Who look after people and care for people in that situation. You see, our society says, as long as you have consent, go for it. You're 16, as long as you have consent, go for it. Single, married, adultery, it's your life, do what you like. Let me say... If you're a Christian woman or you're a Christian man and someone asks you for consent to engage in sexual immorality, there's only one answer you can give if you are not married. It's no. And you say it again, no. And you flee if you have to. You say no. You say, we don't consent to immorality. We say, with the power of God and the strength of God, no, I don't do that. They may mock you, They may call you all types of names afterwards, but you say no, because I'm a child of God, and that means much more to me than anything else. Sometimes people ask me, how far can I go if I'm not married? How far can I go if I'm not married? The simple answer is the difference between affection and arousal, isn't it? Always worries me, so can I do this, can I do that, can I hold hands, can I kiss, what can I touch, what can't I touch? We're trying to work out how not to sin. Let me tell you, If holding hands and kissing leads to arousal and lust and desire to engage in sexual relationship with someone else, you've gone too far. Because you are not called to lust for someone, to desire them sexually, because that is sin, the Bible says as well. If you start touching each other's body parts, breasts, bum, and other bits, and you are not aroused, you're probably dead. (laughs) Right? And so, don't go there, right? Let's be honest here. For you, younger ones, just see it like Dad's talking, I know, just keep listening. Because you want to build a life that is not controlled by lust and ungodly passion, but by godliness. You see, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 27, 28, you have heard it said that you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully 
has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, that is not saying someone attractively walks past and, well, she was nice, or he was, wow, look at that body. And you can appreciate beauty, right? What we're talking about lust, which is a desire then to engage in relationships with them or sexual relationships. That's thinking about it and playing with it in your mind, then you're picturing what happens afterwards. Now, that's lust, as opposed to simply appreciating who we are. One of the ways in which you avoid sexual immorality or break any addiction you have to immorality is to break the secrecy. You see, most sin takes place in the dark. It takes place in the secret. No one else knows. And you see, I've been a pastor for a number of years, and every so often someone comes to me. And those three times, it's always been the woman who's come to tell me. Because guys are too ashamed to come and say, I'm sinning sexually. It's always been the woman saying, I want to love Jesus, but when I'm with my boyfriend, we try hard to be godly, and then we fail. Then I'm filled with guilt and shame, and I know it doesn't please Jesus. Can we do something? And by breaking that secrecy, both people can get help. We can then do that. See, sometimes couples, uh, and you'll know the last few years we've had people who become pregnant in our congregation, People living in immorality, making choices ungodly. And that's not to mention, for example, other people who have slept together, possibly, and they're not pregnant because they've used contraception or because they've then aborted a child. There's all possibilities here. But often it's a secret. And maybe you're bearing the burden of that secret and you need to tell someone to break that. But secondly, you need to control your own body in a way that is holy and honourable. Now, he says that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honourable. It's interesting, uh, this is one of the most difficult expressions in this passage because one version, RSV, puts it this way, that each of you should know how to take a wife for himself. One, of them, one Bible translates it, control your own body in a way that is holy and honourable. The other version says you should know how to take a wife for yourself. Same Bible. Why is that? Let me show you what the the Greek literally says in its translation to English. It says, each of you should learn to acquire his own vessel in holiness and honor. Sometimes I want to say to the Apostle Paul, seriously, can you just make it simpler for us? Can you just write exactly what you mean? Clearly, they would have understood what he was talking about then. And scholars think, is he talking about controlling your own vessel in terms of your own life, your own body in a way that's holy and honorable? Or is it talking about acquiring... Uh, in other words, having a relationship with someone. See, a vessel is something you care for and protect and care and honor. Have your own wife. Whichever the case is, control your own body. If you're going to avoid immorality, learn to control yourself. And secondly, one of the ways to avoid immorality is by entering a heterosexual marriage and being sexually faithful to your spouse. And in this matter, no one should wrong his brother or take advantage of him. The Lord will punish men for all such sins, as we have already told you and warned you. The reason why we control ourselves is so we don't hurt other people. Now, I spoke to a woman once, uh, it's a sad story, who committed adultery with a man. And her reason was that his wife, this man's wife, didn't love him nor sleep with him, but she loved him, so she slept with him. I said, but do you not understand, though, that there is a wife and he is married to this other woman. I know, she said, but 
She does not love him. When you do that, you wrong your brother or your sister. When you do that, you hurt other people. He says, don't do that. And finally, be careful of lustful passion like the heathen. Not in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God. You see, if you're not a Christian, you're going to do whatever you like. There's no God, there's no rules, no authority, uh, there's no purpose in life other than to seek pleasure. And for many people in our society, they seek pleasure. But you see, we're not to be like that. They don't know God. We want to live in a way that is holy and honourable. You see, you expect lustful passion from the heathen, the pagans, the non-believers. They don't know God. These days, sadly, people take their instruction from pornography. We take our instruction from the Bible. Very different story. We are Christians. We know God. We know his word. We know his salvation. We know his presence. We know his purposes for sex. We know the power of the Holy Spirit to transform us into holy, sanctified, God-honoring disciples. That's what God is doing in our lives. So we need to learn to purge our minds of things that will stimulate ungodly thoughts and passions. Rip out anything in your life that you read or watch that causes ungodliness. So what are the reasons, though, for sexual purity? Let's have a look at this pretty quickly. Number one, why did you say to do this? Why live like this? Number one, it pleases God. See, when you have control of your body and you avoid sexual immorality, when you are not like the pagans of the day, you're radically different because of Jesus. It pleases God. We instruct you how to live in order to please God as, in fact, you are living. You see, we live like this because God has saved us. In a moment, we're going to go to the, to the Lord's Supper, the communion, where we remember that the Savior of the world died for us so he could forgive our sins, our immoralities and our lustful thoughts, that he would nail them to a cross. And when having come to Christ, you think, I no longer want to live like I did in the past. I want to live to please God. Secondly, it's God's will. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. You see, sexual purity is God's will for you. And the Christians ought to love God's will. You see, Psalm 40 says, I desire to do your will, my God, your law is within my heart. So as you know Christ better, you think, what does God say? I want to do it. I want to obey it. I, want, I know it's God's will. It's true. I want to follow it. And let me say something else on this one. You never have to ask God in prayer for his will on this matter. Now, I had people say to me once, well, Andrew, I prayed about it. I've been dating this guy for a year. We love each other. We're really close. So I asked God whether it was okay to have sex with him. I said, what did God say? God said it's okay because we really love each other. I said, funny that, because God says in his word it's not. So let me tell you, God will never say to you it's okay. It doesn't matter how long you pray. It doesn't matter how much money you give to the poor. It doesn't matter how many times you come to church. It doesn't matter what you do. God will not change his mind on this. Amen? God's will is clear. Sex is for a marriage relationship with a man and a woman. Only. It's honorable. Each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable. So controlling your body in purity is a matter of honor. Being honored by the community. I'd love to see as you engage with people, maybe at university or in other places, they see how you are sexually pure while they're going all over the place, and they mess up, and they stuff up, and they come to you for advice. What do I do now? I've messed up again. 
I'm coming to you because you seem to have a together Christian person. You don't just jump from one sexual relationship and account it to another. You don't have to go on Tinder to meet someone to hang out with tonight and wake up in the morning on the walk of shame, right? Because you're not like that. See, we live in a way that is honourable and it becomes attractive to others. What is that about you? It's loving. Christian love seeks the good of others. Sexual purity is a loving way to treat others. He says, in this matter, no one should wrong his brother or take advantage of him. Friends, when we sin sexually, we hurt the person we sleep with. We hurt their parents. We hurt their brothers and sisters. When you commit adultery for those who are married, you hurt your spouse. You hurt your children if you have them. You, you hurt a whole group of people. And in the church, we all grieve, don't we, over it? It's not just a family. We all grieve over it. Don't wrong your brother or your sister. Rather, love them and control yourself. And finally, he says, God's vengeance is avoided, verse 6 and 7. The Lord will punish men for all such sins as we have already told you and warned you. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. If you continue in sin and disobedience and immorality and lustfulness, God says, you won't escape God's judgment. John Piper puts it uh, powerfully this way. If you turn from the Lord as your treasure and your all-satisfying pleasure and make a master out of sex, sooner or later, you'll meet the wrath of God, the judgment of God. That's what Paul says here in 1 Thessalonians 4. And finally, the how of sexual purity. I say we develop a capacity to grow in holiness, to experience sexual purity through our knowledge of God. The pagans don't know God, we know God. We don't know about God, we want to know God deeply in our hearts. We want to be transformed by God. We want to live for the glory of God. We want to be filled with the Holy Spirit that we start to live lives imitating God. God is the pathway to sexual purity. It's not reading a book, it's not necessarily getting counsel, it's knowing God. Once you know God and the beauty of God and the love of God and the cross of Christ, the resurrection of Christ and the transforming power of Christ, you want to live differently. You cannot live and desire to live like you did in the past. And if you're in bondage to pornography or fantasies or sexual immorality or adultery, the immediate and long-term strategy of the war is this, know God. So I say to you tonight, know God. Get to know God better. Make Him your consuming passion. Love Him, honor Him, serve Him. Lustful passion is the mark of the Gentiles who do not know God. In 1 Corinthians 6, 18 to 20, the Bible says, flee from sexual immorality. I mentioned that earlier. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Friends, I no longer belong to myself. Ange Gratzunas doesn't belong to Ange Gratzunas. He belongs to God through the blood of Christ. I'm now a child of the living God. And I need to learn to look after my body and control my body to bring glory to him. But you need to fight hard, don't you? You think, well, how do I fight hard? Well, first you seek to know God, as we said. Make God your consuming passion. And secondly, pray passionately, persevering, trusting for the strength to be able to walk in holiness, not in disobedience. Fill your mind with the word of God. Study it, come to church, hear it, memorize it. 
The number of times I've memorized the Word of God, I'm in a tempting situation, and the Word of God comes out to me. And I'm reminded of His Word, so I don't go into sin, but I walk away from sin, I flee from it. Power of the Spirit, rely on the Holy Spirit. The Bible says you can walk according to the flesh, or you can walk according to the Spirit. You have a choice every day. So get up every morning and say, God, today I want to walk according to the Spirit of God. God, today, I want to make a difference for you. God, today, I want to be holy. God, today, let's go. Let's live for you. That Christian community, and that's why it's so important to be here. One of the ways in which we, we grow in holiness is by doing it together, by caring for each other, loving each other, not mistreating each other, not abusing each other, not sleeping with each other, not lusting after each other. As someone once said, what was it? Uh, um, to the guys, like every Christian uh, female is your sister before she may become your wife. Your sister and your brother. That's what we are, family. And there's accountability. Sometimes you've got to break the secrecy. Now, if people have come to tell me things over the years in pastoral ministry, we break the secrecy, we then get the help and the counsel they need to keep moving forward. And let me say, I've heard some, uh, I haven't told you the, the worst stories. <laughs> There are some often surprising things that people do in the area of sexual sin. Even last year, I was surprised with a new... Well, I thought I'd heard everything else. And what happens, Christians are broken by that. And sometimes Christians, when they sin that way, they, even they've got someone to be accountable to, they just feel like God can't forgive them. They said, I know in my head I'm forgiven by Jesus, but I just, I sin so badly. I just can't believe that God will forgive me. And we're working with this person just to help her to, to re, I guess, um, just relax in God and let her life um, be in God's hands. Let him forgive her and remake her. And we have the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which gives the power to self-control. I was saying about people I met with, we need to remember that there is forgiveness. And so if you're sitting here tonight and you have sinned sexually or you have lusted, Oh, you have an addiction to pornography, whatever it happens to be, and you are, your mind is not full of God. It's full of sinful desire. Let me say there's forgiveness. And you need to know that no matter what you've done or where you've been, God offers forgiveness through the cross of Christ. So I say tonight, come to the cross. Come to the Jesus who died for you. Come to the one where you will find grace and mercy and new life. But you've got to be honest with God. You just can't pretend with God. And so, oh, you're in a sorry God, and you just keep living the old way. Come to the cross and find forgiveness. The Bible says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. This is 1 John. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Where in the world do you go? when you wake up guilty, ashamed, broken because of what you've done. Friends, there's only one place. Don't hide from God. Run to God. God is waiting, like the, uh, the father and the prodigal son story, waiting for the son or the daughter to come home. Run home. The father will embrace you with love and mercy. And the song we're going to sing in a moment says, come to the altar. Come to where you can find forgiveness and a new start. Friends, an authentic life is a life that is holy. It pleases God. It does God's will. It is honorable. It is loving. And you avoid the judgment of God. 
I urge you to come to the cross tonight. Have your sins forgiven. Be empowered by God to live for him. And let me say as we're about to sing and then go to the Lord's Supper, if this has raised issues for you and it's things you need to talk to someone about, do that afterwards or during the week. Send someone a text, one of the pastors or maybe a Christian friend and say, listen, can we talk about this? Because we want you to get the help that you need to pursue holiness and, uh, and godliness. Break the secrecy if there is a secret. God bless you.